The Rangers are on the road 2-0 on this road trip. It's what you like to see. They get their first victory in Calgary in over five years. Molly, this Rangers team is playing well, and it's kind of on the backs of the goalies here. Six games. You can go one way or the other, but for the most part, I think that it's it's a pretty it's a pretty solid start for them, 100%. Across the board, I really think that uh, chemistry is starting to develop, power play is starting to get in sync, goaltenders look outstanding. About all you could ask for. That's all you could ask for. Well, the boys in blue uh, have the Oilers coming up, the Canucks coming up, and coming up on the show this week, we talk about those goalies some more. We talk with Larry Brooks. We talk about Lafreniere. We talk about so much stuff. All that and much more are coming up on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post, and it's starting right now. Ladies and gentlemen, that you direct your attention to center ice for a special presentation. Ventures to the outside. Shot by Gustafson. He scores! Looked like Lafreniere with a deflection. Panarin with room. He plays it down low. Score! Chris Kreider on a beautiful deflection. Beetle with some room. He shoots. Save Markstrom. It's behind him. And put it in. Eric Gustafson. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Andrew Hartz, here, as always, joined by the great Molly Walker of the New York Post and none other than Brian Boyle. Listen, it's been a good start to the season. I'll probably be corrected later in the podcast by saying it was a great start, but I still think four and two is a pretty damn good start after falling to the Preds four and one at home, four to one at home. Uh, they bounced back great against the Kraken with a four one victory, followed by a win against the Flames, which was, you know, a pretty damn good win. It's exactly what you needed to see. And as they sit, they're in first place right now in the Metro, 4-2-0. And it's, um, it's, it's not too bad, especially when you've played your uh, four on the road so far and you've only played two at home. So it's a start that this Ranger team desperately needed under Lavs. It's, um, it, it's great, great, great to see. And um, it's great to see both of you guys here. So I'm, I'm happy that, that we're, we're, we're all happy. Rangers are doing well. Molly, you, you somehow made it to uh, your, your destination. Anyone who followed your travel chronicles being stuck in the airport, that's insane. And uh, Brian somehow is here despite managing being outplayed by uh, his kids four to two. So uh, I'm glad at least everyone's here and alive. Five to two. Five to two. Oh my God. See, that's just, it's not fair. Honestly, it's not fair. Outnumbered though. I'm, I'm, I'm not outplayed. I'm outnumbered. Outnumbered. <laughs> that's a, that's a very important I'm dominating. <laughs> I'm actually getting dominated. You're right. I'm what are your diapers <laughs> changed per 60 right now? We need the stats. We need the stats. My, uh, someone call Mike Kelly. I'm off the charts. It's, <laughs> it's historical levels here. We got to start the updating this. Hockey reference I, with with the quickness of that, yeah. I told Boyle before we even got on here that I would take ten more of my ten hour days in Seattle than to change a single diaper. Diaper just to know where where we're at in our lives. The difference is just staggering. The Purell. Yeah, no, no free ads, but uh, I'm covering it up. But I'm it's covering. in every it's in every room. My hands are yeah, they're bleeding. Great. And I got to tie skates at night. All these little kids, I got to tie their skates. So that is so nice of you. You don't, nobody else is around to do nice that. Guy. It's got to be Brian that at least up the skates. That's like some good mojo right there, I would imagine. They were doing it. Uh, all their parents do it wrong. So I got to. Uh, oh, there it is. That's what it is. Let me show it. you the way. <laughs> well, speaking of showing the way, our goaltending has been great. Rangers, I mean, look, um, besides obviously the loss against the Preds, um, the game against the Kraken, I. First, I sort of lock in on that one quickly because Jonathan Quick, who was such a big question mark during preseason, didn't look great. Um, obviously, didn't look great last year either. And now he's transitioning into this new role. Uh, but as soon as he gave up that first goal in Seattle, I just remember watching him there and he gave it up and he kind of like just put his head down and then he locked in and he just zoned in on the bench. And I wasn't sure if that was him being like, what the hell is going on? Or if it's like, okay, like now's the time. And he, he settled in. I mean, he went 18 for 19. He looked great. Molly, like you can't overstate the importance that Jonathan Quick is to this team, especially early on with load management that the Rangers want to give to Igor. But what was the, I guess, reaction coming off of that game, especially with Quick performing the way he did and getting the victory? 
Well, if I may, I would like to go to the Predators game first. Yeah. Him coming in cold. Yeah. I'm always so fascinated by that, just as as somebody who used to come off the bench as a senior in basketball. And I think about how difficult it is when you're in this mindset that you're not going to play. You know, you, you do a different, you know, I know some goaltenders have different warm-up routines, whether or not they're starting or not. And to just come in cold in a game like that where the team just did not look great on the ice in general to come in and he came, he came in and he made some pretty big saves and, and he was rock solid for them, even though, you know, it didn't end up really mattering in terms of the scoreboard. But I think that he was great in relief, which I think is just, it was one game, but it's a good sample size to have. And then yes, the Seattle game, I I don't think he was tested all that much, but he did make very key saves and some, some acrobatic saves, you know, that we've come to see from, from Igor, but Definitely an encouraging sign. I know Laviolette said that he was always penciled in for that Seattle game. And, and Jonathan had talked about that it, he, it, he knows it's going to be an adjustment, not playing as, as, as often as he used to, especially with the Kings. Um, but something tells me that Igor Shosturkin is going to play more games this season than he has in his entire career because I think that's just how Laviolette wants to do it. And Laviolette made it clear at the beginning of the season that all – all-encompassing final decisions about everything go through him. So I think that's a Laviolette thing. We'll see how that goes. I mean, you can, <laughs> <laughs> it's trending the opposite way throughout the league, and, and I think yeah. for good reason. But nothing to lose putting him in against Nashville. Uh, and, right. You know, he bounced around last year where in your own headspace you can understand, like, okay, change is coming. I'm going to have to go somewhere else and adjust. He's such an athletic guy, Jonathan Quick. He's so explosive. He was so effective in L.A. when there were breakdowns. He could let that athleticism happen. But when those guys were dialed in defensively, he made the stops that he had to make and some that he shouldn't, and that's why they won two cups. Now, he needs to see in front of him what's going on. It's a new coach with a new system. In the preseason, everybody doesn't have it down yet, right? So there's chaos going on in front of you with some some guys that are penciled in for Hartford, guys that might be going back to junior. It's not even the real lineup. Yeah, it's chaos, and he's trying to figure out, all right, what are, what are my reads here? And he, exactly. he relies a lot on that athleticism. Now, I love the move putting him into Seattle, which is Seattle's a good team, a high-energy team. They're not Edmonton. Mm. right? They're not the old Capitals with all these weapons that scored th- these wonderful goals. They were, they, were like, they were like the 2012 Rangers where they had to grind for goals. And you're going to get some rubber, but I don't think they're going to be four or five passes in a backdoor shot. That's a team that plays in straight lines. It's a great first start for Jonathan Quick, and I give LaViolette all the credit in the world. Now, I think now he's going to have to use him a little bit, and you're going to have to save Igor, because that's the guy that's going to get you over the hump. Ultimately, if you're going to win a Stanley Cup, that's what they want to do. Igor has to be sharp and fresh game one of the playoffs. It's funny that you talked about the reads, because actually when I, I talked to Jonathan at the conclusion of the preseason in that little weird week between the end of the preseason and, and the regular season, just about certain things that he likes to focus on in the preseason. And and he was saying that, you know, especially with a new team in front of them, in front of him, getting down the reads and where everybody is usually at all times is something that's, you know, you, it takes time to figure it out. So I think that that definitely could have played a role into some of his struggles in in the preseason. So, I mean, hopefully this, this little sample size here uh, is more encouraging than, than the preseason. But I, I do agree that, you do need to be conscientious of Igor, especially, you know, he's had some lower body injuries in, in his career, um, some tweaks, I think a groin injury too. So that's obviously something to be cognizant of, but I don't know. Something tells me that Laviolette, if it was up to him, Igor would play 82 games in this season. Who wouldn't though? Like that's, exactly, he, he's, he's, he's arguably, an... <laughs> I wouldn't. You don't need to win 82 games to win a Stanley Cup. That's, That's true. Especially when, again, like the, the, the end goal is the Stanley Cup and you want to get there as healthy as possible. But I mean, Igor looked great last night, too. I mean, mm. on, oh, on Tuesday night. That's 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 the kind of performance that you're expecting out of him. And last year, there were times where I don't want to say he looked spotty, but he would kind of, you know, just not look like the guy that won the Vesna where it seems like so far this year he's back with a vengeance or at least that Vesna version, which I which, again, it's 
absolutely impossible to live up to that reputation consistently considering how demanding that position or, you know, the goalie position is, but he looked great last night. He's looked very, very good so far this year. And again, this is coming off of a a preseason camp where, you know, guys are learning new lines, new defensive shifts and whatnot. And obviously teams are going to take advantage of that. But the fact that Igor can lock in like he did against Calgary, I mean, that's the wave you want to ride. And when the guys are scoring and you got Krides with another goal, he's up to five now. You got Panarin with the assist. I mean, it's it's exactly what this team needs in order to be successful early on. I feel like it's so important for the Rangers to at least get off to this decent start under Labs. We go nowhere without goaltending. And the, the two he made on Coleman mm. in succession mm. were uh, outstanding. Beautiful. It, it was kind of a low event game, but if you're New York coming in, you know, already after Seattle. And look, people talk about Colorado all the time. And it's hard to play there in the air. Then it's the same in Calgary. And Calgary's got a lot to play for as well. They got a new coach. It's, you know, their year went worse than New York, but there's a lot of similarities there. There's some good players that have to have a bounce back. And again, it was a low event game. I think they only gave up like 25 shots. The range only had 20, but again, they had the lead. So I don't look into that as much, but those chances when there is a breakdown, that's the guy that wins you games. And that's the guy that, you know, you can look at save percentage and, you know, I look at wins and then those plays. How many of those plays did he make in late in games to, to preserve it? And that's just a great sign. It's a great sign for the Rangers. Both guys played well so far already on the trip. And listen, to get the first win in Calgary in over five years. Yeah. Which is just <laughs> really? Mine yeah. over five uh, years. See, it's hard Chris, to play there. It is. Chris Kreider was so funny about it. I asked him about it last night and he was like, it has been a really long time, hasn't it? He was like, I was thinking about that on the way in and he didn't want to say it out loud. But mm. it's 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 not even just the fact that they haven't won there in five years. I was looking back at it. I think every single game except for one was a three to five goal yeah. margin, yeah. a shutout. And I think there was one in overtime as well. So just brutal, you know, kick you while you're down kind of losses. And, you know, for them to pull that out last night early in the season and, you know, they're kind of kicking the flames while they're down, you know, for it to be a little bit of a reverse there was No one uh, feels bad for anybody. (laughs) (laughs) That rink, that are visiting, the visiting part of that rink is such, it's so bad. I was going to say, please. When you go in there and you get rinsed and then you're like, bumping into each other, trying to get into the shower and stuff. It's like, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> place stinks. We just got worked. Now we got to go to Edmonton, you know, like, yep. <laughs> like deal with that wagon with those, yeah. although, you know, McDavid's out, but it's, it was just, that still brings me back. I was, one time I had, um, I had a call up and I was playing for LA and I got hit. I think Corey Sarich hit me and they used to have the turnbuckles by the bench, not yeah. the rounded glass. And he's and he split my ear open. And so the bus, everybody's on the bus waiting. I played like nine games in my career and they had to wait like 45 minutes because this dude was trying to zip up my ear where there's no skin. I get on the bus. We get to Dallas. We land and Ron Hextel's like, I think you're going to be sent down tomorrow. It's like, okay, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Great. Good talk. That's exactly <laughs> what you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, somebody like was going to get suspended, they thought. So they need another defenseman and easy. Oh, it was a rough night. I I didn't like going to Calgary for a while. Fun town, though. Nice people. Yeah. And honestly, when I'm there and in Edmonton, Edmonton too, at coming from New York City, where it's the most populated city in the entire world, it just feels like there's nobody here. That's like my only thing when I come here. It just feels like there's no nobody on the streets. Well, granted, it's 17 degrees yeah. here. So why why would you want to be Is it there the now? Street? Right now it is? Yes. Oh. Yes, Brian. Yes. Oh. We are in the teens here in Western Canada. They got the Chinooks, though. Sometimes it warms up at night. <laughs> you know about the Chinooks? I hope I'm, I'm saying that right. I was, <laughs> I was scared to ask. It's like warm, it's warm air that comes off the mountains or gets pooled. I don't know how. It, Scientist Brian. I know one well, thing. I, know, I don't know anything else. Come to the podcast for Rangers news and stay for Brian Boyle's weather updates. Here. You know, but just as as you know, rickety as the visiting part of the arena is, let me tell you, the press box is not even it wasn't even built in the arena like when it was first constructed they added that clearly last second and it's bolted hanging from the ceiling <laughs> I, sent to, I sent to vince for last night there was like this like 
metal like hook thing that was hanging right next to us. And I said, if I unscrew this right now, will the whole thing, <laughs> will we fall right onto the ice right now if I unscrew this little bulb right here? <laughs> yeah, that's that's not too reassuring, quite yeah, frankly. It, sh- it shakes. It shakes, too. <laughs> it's It's got character, that place. And I think there's only one, a uh, couple more years there. So, Please, hopefully. Yeah, they just. Did you ever do the catwalk in uh, at Rexall in Edmonton? Uh, not not in Edmonton, but I've done it in Calgary. The one in Calgary is sick. Is it is it just as scary? Okay, I'm trying to remember. The it's the Saddle Dome that's really scary. You can walk to the middle, like. Oh, like, okay. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's what I'm thinking the, of. Yeah, that's what a in nightmare Calgary. though. Why? why it's is cool that though. It's cool. You can it's walk. Cool. You could walk to the middle and look straight down into the jumbotron down at center ice. Are there and dead bodies just, in there? Yeah, you might. You would think. Right? <laughs> There's some cobwebs, that's for sure. No, it's it's got a lot of a lot how's of charm the, in its own the way. Popcorn? popcorn is good. Popcorn right, is definitely good. top three in the league. I would go. We'll, we'll go back. We'll go back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love the people of Calgary. Well, at least the Rangers got out of there with a win. That's what you like, the most important thing. Uh, But speaking of the people, uh, we've got some subtext questions for you guys. And um, we're just going to dive right into it right here. We'll we'll start with uh, Paul Collette. Uh, Oh, these these are from the uh, sports or the post sports plus. Be sure to hop on that so you can ask some of these questions on a future episode as well, too. Uh, from Paul Collette, Blake Wheeler doesn't seem to have worked out thus far. Taking off power play two, replace for double shifting Panarin, ETC. What are the options if he needs to be replaced? Mutual contract termination, bury max amount and call up Offman, Kane, or, you know, it's it, it, are there any other options at this point? What do they do with Blake Wheeler? I mean, the guy signed for $800,000. I mean, it's, it's still a, a bargain deal. Yes, he gets taken off of power play two, but in place of Will Cooley, you know, that's, I mean, replaced with Will Cooley, you know, I think that's, so what, you know, Will, if anything, look at it as Will Cooley is getting more of an opportunity and rounding out his game and develop developing more. I mean, it's clear that Lavi, it's been difficult for Laviolette not to give Cooley more opportunities. So I don't really look at him, get him getting taken off the power play as, as a negative thing as more of another opportunity for a young guy. Um, in terms of, I don't think they're actually going to do anything. Look, Laviolette is is managing the roster the way that he sees fit and double shifting Artemi Panarin while he's riding this hot hand six game point streak to start the season. Same exact streak as he had last season, by the way. Um, there are worse things in the world, you know, so I think that I think that Laviolette is handling it. And I think that he, you know, does see what's going on and he's making the necessary changes, taking him off power play, too. And, and you know, giving Artemi Panarin a little bit more offensive zone time where he can. Um, so, but I still think that, that Wheeler can, 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 can contribute to this group. Yeah. I mean, what do we talk about with quick? Right. I mean, obviously Blake Wheeler's a forward, but he's coming from a place that he's been for a number of years. He was the captain there. He had to deal with that whole yeah. soap opera where he got stripped <laughs> and, you know, guys quitting and just leaving the team, didn't want their money. They just decided to quit. And then coaches quitting mid season. I mean, he went, he's been through all this before or different things before where he you know it's a long season you need everybody and you're going to need different guys there's going to be a time where there's a bit of a lull during the season and Blake Wheeler's a big man that can still skate he's got great hands he can really create offense if you give him a little more time when when things kind of dip I think that's why you have Blake Wheeler and that's why you have him at 800 grand Mm -hmm. contract terminate like six games Paul. Welcome to the Rangers. <laughs> Paul, what would you do if you were the if you were the manager of this team? <laughs> if you were Chris Drury, like Barry not contract in the AHL was something that he actually said. No, we're not Max making fun of him. Like you can bury more than you, what he's making. We're not making fun of you, Paul, but Well, but, I'm not not making I'm not I'm listen. <laughs> it's six games in, man. He's just come from he's probably excited to have a city where he's got like you know, lots to do. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to Winnipeg. It's cold. Like again, if it's 17 degrees in Calgary, it's I don't know, three <laughs> in Winnipeg. Yeah, it's true. He's probably having dinner with his wife and enjoying the time and, and he'll get some minutes when they matter more. I'm not worried about Blake Wheeler at all. Brian, I I, I do kind of want to now that we're on the topic, I I when when I saw that he was stripped of his captaincy, and he's somebody that I had actually spoken to before he even 
signed with the Rangers about Jacob Trubo when he was named captain. Obviously, you know, how he deals with the media is no indication of how he is as a leader in the locker room. But I just thought that, you know, the way that he talked about Truba, having known him from, you know, such a young age, you know, and watching him grow up and whatnot, he, you know, he, he speaks like a leader. What did you make of that whole thing? I guess, you know, if you had heard any rumblings or anything, I just, just in general, what did you, and had you have ever heard of that, you know, with it not being connected to a, to an isolated, you know, appalling in- incident that, you know, there was no question he had to be stripped of the captaincy. I didn't hear anything like that. There was no question. I know. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot that go that has gone on in Winnipeg. Like Bufflin quit. Yeah. And I don't know if he was mad at the doctors or management. His ankle was messed up, whatever it was. There was incidents with Bufflin and Evander Kane. There was incidents with the head coach who's in Florida now and just trying to deal with the whole group. There were certain guys that had strong opinions that were hard to deal with. I heard, and I didn't know it was, I didn't hear it was him ever. Yeah. Um, but a man I really, really respect and I'm thankful that I got a chance to play for is um, Rick Bonus, And he went in and made that decision. He wanted probably, I don't know if it was to just have a new direction, have new voices, have this is the way it's going to be and get everybody's attention. Again, I don't think it was anything specific uh, yeah. in, in regards to Blake. And it could have been, I could be wrong, but yeah. every I, I've interacted with Blake Wheeler throughout my career and uh actually he's he had an official visit to bc i took him around he ended up Aww. going to minnesota instead oh traitor um, <laughs> and we would have won twice with him uh but he always very nice you know and i've really enjoyed you know i, I at uh, an award show and then at the all-star game that i went to if uh, if anyone forgot i'll remind you i like to talk about it um but yeah he's just he's always seems to be a like loves hockey and a good guy to be around. So, I, I mean, I can't imagine it's anything specific. Yeah, I just thought it was so, I thought it was weird. I did. Interesting scenario. Again, give it time. Don't overreact six games. Listen to Brian in this one. Uh, let's go to Mike Hickey now. Brian, you can answer this one as well, too. I'm sure you'll enjoy this. Why do Rangers keep having these guy, uh, these games where guys just don't show up? Like they don't come? Because you get fined for that. <laughs> I think it's like ten grand. If you don't Is it go really ten grand, Sheesh. it could be a day's pay. So if you make a lot, it's, it could be more than that. Sheesh. They just don't go. Like no, no one's gonna know if I don't go. I'm gonna go catch Hamilton on Broadway. <laughs> Listen, I. It's a hard league, okay. And if I don't even know how to answer this, <laughs> I mean, I gotta look at this again. <laughs> Where is it? It's it's just it's it's one of those things where I guess it, it frustrates fans when I guess you know you have big name players, but again, like when it, you it get does... a, a dud game in like in Na- like Nashville, right? But they have they don't show up. Uh, you play eighty two games. You know why the playoffs are so hard and usually the better team wins? It's because your travel is the exact same and your rest is the exact same, and that is why it's the greatest. I mean, there's no excuse. And sometimes you play a game and you're like, we okay. So when the Rangers and and the Lightning were in the conference finals. That was the weirdest series ever because there were games where the Rangers w- would beat us in Tampa like six to two, and then we'd go in there and beat them two nothing. And every game we, we the road team was winning game. It was crazy. But during the course of season, especially early in the season, when you have to do some traveling, when you have to do different things, and there's new players on the team, and you're practicing hard, and your coach is implementing a new system, sometimes one little thing can go wrong. And in this league, where it's the best league in the world, if you are at ninety percent you're going to get run out of the building. And if you're battling an injury and you're at 90% and you aren't a 10 or 11-year guy or you're not a very special human, you're going to look out of place like you're battling through an injury. And that's just how it is because the league's so good. Now, these guys show up. There's a lot more money even than when I played invested in recovery, in the strength and conditioning, in the training staff, in the sports science and all that crap. It's it's a huge, huge business now for these organizations to do. So they have all the information and they are ready to play in Seattle and then go to Calgary and then go wherever. You know what I mean? Like they have this prepped out, but sometimes it doesn't work. It's not the 80s. Guys aren't going getting banged up and then trying to play a game on the road. It's it's just the league is that good. And a couple goals go in, your power plays bad that night you give up a shorthanded all of a sudden it's three nothing like these things happen and guys have bad games 
No one plays their best every game. But everyone tries to show up. You prepare the same. You get excited to play. I don't know. I just I I know how hard it is, so it gets to me a little bit, but uh if if a guy just wants to get traded and he's screwing off and he doesn't even put the effort in, yeah, I'll go after that guy harder than anything because it's a privilege to play in the league. I think everybody knows that though, and it's it's really hard to play in the league. Amen. Gonna have said it better, especially coming from the mouth of Brian Boyle. Mike, we'll do one. <laughs> thank we'll you do... for your question, Mike. <laughs> Copied and answered. Uh, we'll do one more here before we get out. Uh, we'll take it from Gerard Yacovoni, or I pierced the toast. Uh, you know, uh, he wants to know: Is it me, or has Keandre Miller regressed? Do you think there's still a function of a young player developing, or is it time to start worrying? I, I would regress is, is not the word that I would use. I know from talking to Keandre in the past that he views himself as a player who can contribute on offense. And that's something that he wants to do. It's something that he's looking to do. And it's something that when he's not doing it, he's thinking about it, um, which is to the fault of no one. All encompassing. I think he's had a decent start to the season i think that the rangers defense in general for the most part has has been pretty tight um so i, I with him in in particular I, regress isn't isn't the word that i would use but i do think that there are still some mental hurdles for him as a young player that he you know needs to you know learn how to shake off and and learn how to play through and work through and and you know be satisfied with having a sound defensive game rather than, you know, looking at it as, you know, I, I didn't contribute on offense or, you know, wasn't able to, you know, drive as much play as, as he maybe would have wanted to. I, I, I don't think there's anything to be worried about him. I think he's such a, I think he's a very special defenseman. You know, I, I think his reach and how much ice he can cover, he looks like a gazelle sometimes out there to me with the way that he <laughs> can stride up and down the ice. So, I, I I do think it's still so early in his career and there are still things that he's working through. And, you know, again, we're not going to use this as an excuse for the entire start to the season, but settling into a new system and into new reads, like it's, it is still an aspect that you need to take into consideration. So again, six games into the season, um, I, I, I'm not worried about Keandre Miller. He's, if anything, I, and I'm not picking on Braden Schneider, but I think Braden Schneider has has had a, a tough start to the season, but he knows it. Um, and Laviolette have, have had long talks apparently about it. And Schneider laid out a 10 minute long answer for me about all the things that he knows that he needs to do better. So, but in terms of Keandre, I we're not we're not pressing the panic button here in my book. I, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. That's that was a well thought out question because it hits all the points of the athleticism. Maybe that gets him in trouble sometimes. D is a hard position to learn and perfect. And he probably wants to create create offense and contribute more. But you got you got Fox is going to get the points. He's going to get the first power play unit time. And he probably thinks is like this is Mike's going down. This is uh you know, this is my bridge deal. I really need to have a lot of points so I can get paid. And that's a fair thing to think as a player. Um, you can't think of that every game before you go out there. You're trying to win the game. So he, I like his pairing. He's he's played a lot with Truba, right? That's a great guy to play with. But there's a number of reasons why. What did you know? What did Truba have for points when he was in Winnipeg? Now he's a captain of a team, and his role is completely different. He obviously he has his money. That, that's also different. But he wants to win a cup, and he has he has he's understood that his role is different. He can. He can help uh, Keandre Miller learn that too, but this guy I think can be like for 15 more years an absolute stud, and he, he can do things. He can have a he's one of those guys that can have a bad game, and in the third just take it and go and make a ridiculous play, and then you're like, well, what, where was that all game, and where's that been for the last? And it'll come. It's gonna come you, with good pros and good people are, are gonna try to learn that consistency. And then Schneider, I. I Listen, I hated playing against that guy. I think his ceiling's really high too. I hope he, I hope he figures it out. He's insanely strong. Adds another element to that blue line. That if he starts kicking it up a notch, they're gonna. That's gonna be a tough six to get around. That's what you want to see. Because I mean, that's that's obviously the backbone to the Rangers here at this point. Well, coming up next, we have the great Larry Brooks. So stay tuned because you're not going to want to miss this conversation. Coming up next, end up in the blue seats.
Yeah, just keep playing, keep trying to uh, create chances offensively and played really well for the rest of the game. And uh, like I said, really big two points for us. And now it's time to welcome in the great Larry Brooks from the post. Larry, the Rangers off to a great start, four and two so far. Um, the power play, though, looking a good start. I mean, it's, it's a good start. It's it's a good start. You know, <laughs> they're not off to a great start. They're it's, off to a good start. It's a good start. It's 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 what you want, especially under a new head coach. Laz is uh, getting the most out of his men so far, but he's still learning. But talk to me about the power play here. Obviously, a great goal last night from Crides. It's what you want to see, but there is room for improvement, I think, or at least I would assume you think as well too. Well, I generally think there's always room for improvement on this power play because. I look at them as having four incandescent talents on the power play. Plus, I don't mean this. I don't mean this is disrespectful. Plus, Vincent Trocheck, who's a, you know who's a who's a good player who wins faceoffs. He's important for that. He's important on that unit because he's you know generally going to win the draw and they'll have possession. So I get, I get you know I'm 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 not uh, I'm not dissing Trocheck, but he's not you know he doesn't have the same talent level i don't think is panarin or fox or, or or mika and he doesn't have that special quality that Kreider does around the net so they've been bumping around the last few years between like 24 and 27 percent, i think which is good they're a top eight nine seven team in the league i think they should be a top three team i think they should be around 30 percent. i'd like i'd like to see them be a lot more productive. I think right now we're looking, waiting for Zibanejad to hit his stride offensively. Um, and, and I think when Mika hits his stride offensively, the power play becomes much more dangerous. You know, again, I, I think they, ha- they have a special player in Kreider who has become, I think, the best net front guy in the league. He could score 30 power play goals this year. I mean, he could. Um, last year was more of an aberration than the year before where you get six last year. I don't know how that happened or six or eight last year. And he got 26 the year before his shooting percentage was like zero last year. So I think, I think it's going to be a good power play. I think it needs to be more consistent. And I'm talking about now over the last few years. And I think they, it, the power play needs to come through in the third period of tie games or games where they down by a goal. That's where I think their power play is is going to be defined, and I'm still waiting for them to do that. And again, it's not it's not the first two weeks of the season; it's this unit that has essentially been together for three years. So, you know, these are guys who are very familiar. I'm I'm curious to to what Pekka can add to that. I'm I'm always curious to what a power play coach can add to a power play where you have exceptional talents on it who have who have been working together for a while. What does a power play coach see that Mika Zibanejad doesn't see or Artemi Panarin doesn't see or, you know, Adam Fox doesn't see. So I'm, I'm always curious. It's not just about Pekka. It's about every guy that coaches a power play. What does he bring to the mix? Unfortunately, where we're precluded from speaking to Michael Pekka about his his views because um, like so many teams around the NHL, the Rangers don't allow access to assistant coaches. So uh, you know we can we can get that I guess from the players. but I'm I'm, I'm curious how Pekka is going to help this talent laden first unit power play. The second unit, if it gets more time, I think it'll be more productive. Um, I like the second unit the way the way, uh, Laviolette's been using it. So, yeah, we'll see. I always go back to that awesome conversation that you had had with Kreider. I think it was last season about how he's playing money ball down there. And every time I see him do those deflections, I think about that conversation and how, how apparent it is. I mean, Brian, you tell us, you're the former player here. I mean, was that not the most perfect, like, by-the-book deflection last night that, you know, has ever unfolded on the ice <laughs> it, it just shows you what he what he does with his time obviously it's i mean he works his, his his ass off to be as in shape as he can be but he he is for sure a student of the game and, and i don't know if you guys remember but those deflections those forehand across body deflections from off the side of the net i think it was probably six or seven years ago crosby started doing it and he would practice it 
And we saw him do it in a game on the network or whatever it was. You'd see a highlight of it. And Kreid's probably thought, hey, that's another way to get my stick free. And then when you, like Larry, you talked about Kreid's and what he can do in front of the net. 50% of that is the guy running the power play. It's 23 with the vision that he has. Adam Fox is, if you had to take one guy out of that power play where you'd be really worried about the power play, it's, it's Adam Fox. You have him, you have Panarin that can do things when, you know, option A, B, C, and D aren't working. He can make some moves and, then you have Meek on the other side just banging one-timers, and eventually those are going to go in. Kreitz is in front when they over-pursue Panarin and Mika, or they're really over-pursuing Fox, which never works because he's just a wizard. And that bumper spot for Troach, it's not its not easy, and it's somewhat thankless. Like you say, he wins the draw. Well, yeah, he wins the draw. That's 30 seconds, 25 seconds. If no, I, I, know, I know. I wasn't. And it's not easy, and there's I, only one no, puck. He, I, I was, they all can't I, get 20 power play goals. No, I, I was not. I was not disrespecting. No, I know, I know, but <laughs> no. it's it's like we. It's have, important. No, it no, it is. It's winning the first draw, but also, or else you're figuring going out back. where the pressure is. Yeah, and he follows the play because you have to kind of go everywhere, and then it's a quick strike attack. That's that's the IQ of Adam Fox hitting cries and cries with the. He practices that. I got to be able to tip this puck in from anywhere because I don't have any time, and you know what? I think Larry, you're right. Like. The difference between 27 and 30% is a goal a month, maybe. I'm not a math guy, but it's not a lot of goals. But the difference between what's your percentage in the third period when it matters, and that's between the years of each player. Now, to go, if 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 I'm Michael Pekka and I see this, okay, these are your options. This is what we want to do. And I'm showing them what the other team's penalty kill does before every game. That's job one. Job two is I'm taking five or 10 game segments. And sometimes you're so invested as a player into what we're supposed to do. You say, look, if this has been open for three games now, let's try this play and work on it in practice. I think that's, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of hovering 30,000 feet above saying, all right, this is what I can see from out here, some trends and stuff. And, I, and to your point, and I was going to get into it later with Laugh, uh, Lafreniere, like, I think he's going to get better and better the more power play time he gets. But w- w- if I'm LaViolette, why? I'm not going to sacrifice my first unit just so I can have some feel-good stories on my second unit. No, no, right. Right? But, right. It's a hard spot. The, 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 the issue... Um, if there was an issue, became an issue when the first power play stayed on and on and on, even when they were producing nothing. You know, they, they, you know, they, they, you know, they, they were generating no momentum. They were generating, you know, negative momentum. And yet, the third time the puck was cleared down the ice, they stayed on. And you know, there became an issue. I think, and it really was in in. Uh, David Quinn's final season. It's it's gone back a while, um, but you know it was in Quinn's first season and, and last season, and it was in Gallant's first season, and it, it got better last year. And then of course they added Tarasenko and Kane, so they had, you know, they they had an abundance of power play guys. But but no, you're you're not going to take the first unit off in order to give the second unit more time. But there is a time when the first unit does need to come off and needs to recognize that it's time to come off. I think they've been better at that this year. Um, you know, I, I kind of chuckle to myself because I always try and write down, you know, when the first unit goes off, um, how many clears there have been. And so I, I chuckle to myself when I write down a minute five remaining. So, you know, like with an exclamation point that those guys went off. So, yeah, there's, I mean, the first unit should be, you know, should be a, uh, a game wrecker. It, it should be. And so, there's just so much talent there. It's fun to watch. It's they not fun to kill. It's fun to watch. I've been on, I mean, that's not a fun one to kill. Pick your poison. When they're clicking, they're going to be scary. Well, you know what's, you know what's interesting, too? When I was talking to Kreider um, last week about his penalty killing, he said he always thought he was going to be good as, as a penalty killer because he knew what good power plays did. And he thought that was something he could, he could bring to the uh, table as a penalty killer because he knew. He knew where the power play didn't want to be. He knew where the power play wanted to be. So he, you know, it was almost reverse engineering it, right? So, you know, that's what you learn. I mean, he's 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 been around for a while now. That's why he gets those tipping goals. Well, you never see those because no one really no one kills that lane two feet off the net. It's getting the shot lane, right? Not two feet off the net. You're not going to give him the shot lane. And that's what makes it so dangerous with him and Fox. Like that that whole that works together that pk power play that just i'm going to stand off the side here 
like Carolina does it really well off the draw on the penalty kill. Like they'll, if they lose a draw and your point man has it on the power play, all of a sudden it looks like I have nowhere to go. I have no options. Well, we would slide a guy on the dot line right down the, to make a pass straight down, nowhere near the net. And then that would relieve all the pressure. Cried sees that he finds those spots and he's got a good enough defenseman to hit him. I completely agree with everything that's been said about, you know, you know, wanting to ride that top power play unit and not for the sake of a feel good story on the second unit. But with that being said, I don't think anybody can use a more feel good story than Alexi Lafreniere and him getting involved on the power play, I think could and should be big for his confidence. And that's something that I think that Peter Laviolette should, it should be in the back of his mind. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I think though I think the second unit I think Lafreniere, Heedle, and Kako all benefit from having that power play time and power play success. I I think you know Lafreniere maybe maybe slightly more because he's been such a lightning rod. There's been so much controversy around him. Power play time for him has always been a major issue because we know he's in you know whatever percentile he is on five on five goals, but he has essentially no power play goals for his career. Or now he has four or five. Um, last year, he got the first of his career, right? He hadn't, he hadn't. Mm-hmm. Scored power play this goals was his years. fourth in his yeah. career. So in the Calgary game. Yeah. So no, I, I, I think for, for Alexei and I, I think, I think it's, it's important for him to succeed because I, I think, you know, his, his success builds some confidence. I, um, but you know what was interesting too, and if we can just you know veer off this for a second, just you know mentioning Lafreniere, what was interesting too about about the third period of of, of the game in Calgary last night was was the way that Laviolette essentially sat the Heedle, Panarin, Lafreniere line. They they used them as a fourth line kind of. They 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 sat for about six minutes. Um, they only they only had two and a half minutes a piece around um, at even stretch five on five. Um, and, and no one was screaming that, Oh, Alexei Lafreniere didn't get it. You know, Alexei Lafreniere only got two and a half minutes. Oh, look, Phil Heedle only got two and a half minutes because he coached the game. And you know, what we've seen in a very, very small sample size is that when the Rangers have a third period lead, Peter Laviolette trusts the Benino line to, to, to be a shutdown line. And so the fourth line, the Benino line with with VC and um, Goodrow last night was used kind of as a second or third line. You know, they were they were a checking line, they were a shutdown line, and so that that's the way he coaches. And so there are going to be games where um, maybe Lafreniere only gets thirteen minutes if if he doesn't like the way it's going, or if he thinks he um, if the coach thinks he needs a a shutdown line in the third. But I I, I found that really interesting that he went to Benio rather than Heedle um, in the rotation in the third period last night when they were when they were up 3-1 for the entire period. Well, I think that panarin Heedle lefrenier line is probably a little bit more, <laughs> maybe it's not as, risky. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not as defensively sound as maybe the rest of the lineup is. But, but that being said, I referred to them as a revelation in one of my last articles. I... Love that line so much. And I also think that Lafreniere looks a little rejuvenated. And I don't think that we've gotten Boyle's Lafreniere take yet. So I, I would be curious to to hear what he has to say about, about him. I noticed him in, in, in the game skating better. There were a couple of, I don't know, ice level shots with the camera where he looked like he was moving really well. It's it's You can see from the regular camera too, but he was moving well, and maybe he's excited to get a couple looks on the power play, and then he scored, and it's a nice goal. And he went where he's supposed to go to get some goals. <laughs> they don't have to be end-to-end rushes. They don't. You don't have to wire it under the bar every time for it to count as one goal. They all count the same. And, you know, it's stupid and cliche, but, you know, to get you out of something or to get something going, some momentum, that was a big goal for a lot of reasons. But then he looked like he was moving, like he was 10 pounds lighter. I really, I liked it. You know, he's played three plus years now in the league, but maybe the best or the most energized he's ever looked was in the first round series against the Penguins when you were there. Yeah. Two years ago. So, so you had, a, a you know, you were playing against him when he was making an impact on almost every shift in that I series. Thought, I thought that was his coming out party, and he played with an edge. He was emotionally invested in each game. 
He was barking at our bench. And I said this, I said it on the NHL network. I thought, I said, that was what you thought you were going to get with him. If it's not going to be 120 points as a first overall, and not many guys can do that, so don't expect that. But if it's a if it's a 50, 60 point player who is a pain in the ass to play against and is running his mouth, a lot of French guys do that. He could t- take a page out of someone else's book and do that and have an effect every game. Now, it's easier to do when Ryan Reeves is in the lineup, and I said that then. But if they all play with that edge, first of all, there'll be complaints about the team from the team's fans no matter what. There always is. It's the New York Rangers. They're going to buy in with this team. And we saw it happen, Larry, when we when, when kind of we were building our thing when I played you know, in the 10 to 14 years. Yeah, we got booed sometimes, but they knew what we were putting out there every night. And if we didn't have the bounces or we didn't have <laughs> the skill level that night, we gave it what we had. We earned their respect. And they, they can collectively do that, especially with the amount of skill they have. They have – it goes back to how, Larry, what you just said about the usage. The last time a first-year coach came in and did that was probably AV. I remember sitting for 12 straight minutes against Detroit until we tied up the game. And then I played the last two minutes straight, and you wrote an article on it. I was like, AV's looking at me. It's two and a half minutes left, and he's just looking at me every whistle. Are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm not coming off now. And I finished off at about 11 minutes. Now, have you seen – has any other coach done that, tried to solidify these roles since AV? That you can – I mean, I haven't, I haven't paid as much attention after I left, and I, was, I kept playing, but that's what Lavi wants to do, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, you know – David had a different Quinn had a, I think a, a different set of parameters with which he was working at least his first year um, and even his second year. Gallant, yeah, I think he tried to. I mean, I, I think there were roles on you know I think there were roles, but um, I think there's there's just a lot more structure here than there's been for a long time and probably early. Like I've said, I've written this before. I've said this before. The last couple of years with with AV kind of fell off, you know, attention to detail kind of fell off, but not since the first two or three years of, of Vino has there been this type of structure. And it's different. I mean, Laviolette's a much different personality than, than Elaine Vino, but Vino was the right guy at the right time too, because he was following torts and they, and you know, the team needed a, a breath of fresh air. So response reaction to the, the guy that came first, but Laviolette has a has a uh, you know as an impressive track record, and, and what impresses me is the way the and I and I think I said this last week is the way the, the you can see that the players are trying they they are they are trying to get this down even you know the Nashville game last week was a bad game okay but even in even in that game they were trying yeah, they were trying to do the right things for at least a while you know they're not off on their own program. That's not going to happen here. And, and you know, it's happened a number of times before. It happens, I, I, I assume, with every team. But this team, is, you know, they're, they're, you know, the players are not going to have their own program. You know, this, this is, this is going to be a structured program. I think we, we've seen it so far for the first couple of weeks. Some players are playing really well, are thriving. Some are, are, I think, stuck in a little bit of neutral still. But, you know, the structures has held for the most part, even – I didn't think the Calgary game was was a, an especially impressive game, but they but they got it done, and they held a good team. You know, they held a team at home to one goal in the first period. So, or not, what in the second minute of the game, right? So, so um, you know, they they are a responsible team, a responsible team, and a winning team so far. But they're getting there. Give it time, Larry. As always, we appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing some of that knowledge with us, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Great job, boys. Great game. Jesse, unbelievable game. Boys, I think we're going to do And that'll put a bow on episode 129 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Big time thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. You can catch up on all episodes of the podcast by subscribing to Up in the Blue Seats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're watching this right now on the New York Post YouTube page, uh, give us a thumbs up. 
and uh, comment below. How do you feel about the Rangers so far? It's it's I, I think it's pretty good. Guys, we have to close out with our three stars of the week. Brian, who do you got? As much as I hate doing this, I got to give it to the goaltending. Uh, Quickie with his first dub and Igor just for the two saves on Coleman, locking that down in a tough place to win. Obviously, I guess for the Rangers, especially the last few years. So I'll give it to the goalies that just stand there all game and don't move. Congrats. <laughs> Just let us know how you really feel, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Molly, who's star number two? I got to go with Artemi Panarin. I mean, just six games in a row for the second year in a row. He's on this crazy point streak to start. Lots of goals, lots of assists. I mean, it's just about, you know, he's being double shifted almost every night so far. So, I mean, it's not really, you can't really ask for much more from, from one of your star guys like that. So, got to be him two right there number three my star is going to go to molly walker and not just because she survived not, not because she managed to get out of the airport after 15 16 75 hours but because she got the story of the year so far she found out why artemi panarin cut his hair molly what a great story and i can't recommend it to anybody enough you got to go check it out on the post website but that had to be a fun one to write it was i mean 101 sit downs with artemi panarin are always always going to be fun you never know what's going to come up in conversation you never know what kind of quip he's going to pull out you know he's funny as hell i had been dying to ask him about it all season never got a chance to sit down with him so i was happy that i finally got to and, and got to get the scoop on that story it was obviously it was a it was a big headline in the nhl when that first bold picture of him came out and even still to this day i can't recognize him on the ice it's just it's a little weird. It's still taking some getting used to, but that was a fun one for sure. Brian, any superstitions like that? Did you ever cut your hair during a rough spell, grow out a goatee, anything uh, that, that you kind of regret now? Nah, no, I, I, there's things I regret now, but it wasn't. <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> some of my old headshots. <laughs> now I wish I had some of that hair back. Um, I did. Uh, no. Yeah, nothing really. The worst is November, and then you st- score a couple goals, and then you got to have the mustache going and, like, December and you're all pale and it just looks gross. It's a look. It's a look. It's a look. You got to stick with it. Those are our three stars. Uh, and we're getting out of here. Look, make sure you follow Miss Molly Walker on Twitter. That's two E's, two R's. And Brian on Twitter as well, too. That's Browse 22 Those are the brows, not bros. I made that mistake last week. But for Brian Boyle, Larry Brooks, Molly Walker, I'm Andrew Hartz. We are back next Wednesday for another episode of the podcast. Appreciate you guys listening, tuning in, and having some fun with us. And we'll talk to you next time. Later.